Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode of Before the Chorus is supported by the Spark Parade. Art and entertainment inspire each of us in different ways. But have you ever wondered what inspires the people who create our cultural touchstones? On the Spark Parade podcast, host Adam Unz geeks out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. You'll hear from artists like Connor Oberst on Northern Exposure, Roisin Murphy on Terrence Conran's The Housebook, and Adrian Young on Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. I've been listening to the recent episode with Flight, who were also just on before the chorus, where Will talks about Kramer versus Kramer. The Spark Parade where artists reveal their cultural inspirations to spark the inspiration in you. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists and, ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Libercaro, and this episode's guest is Small Black. Small Black are a chill wave four-piece from New York City. Frontman Josh Kolinick has called several parts of the tri-state area home, having grown up on Long Island and now residing in Brooklyn. Between moving around and the recent loss of his uncle, a surfboard shaper and local fixture on Long Island, Josh has been reflecting on what it means to live a fulfilling life. It is this question that has largely shaped the band's new album, Cheap Dreams. It feels like this record exists in two very specific places, so Brooklyn, Long Island, um, as well as a few different time periods as well, like a little bit in the present, going way back into the past and even the more recent past, like Circa, when you were staying with your uncle. Is that about right? Yeah, that's like the most cogent read on the record I've heard from anyone. So yeah, it, it is kind it. of like a, ta- a time traveling uh, experience through like just different moments in my life in New York and uh, just kind of growing up in the Trice area and ending up in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like by even though the album does, in a very non-linear sense, jump back and forth between all of these different times and places, it always comes back to this much larger question, which is just what one does with their life and also a bit of a sense of place as well. Yeah, I think like when we first started talking about what the intent of the record might be, uh, I was talking with Ryan and Juan and we were kind of just reflecting on those sessions we did at my uncle's house on Long Island and I was like you know I I grew up kind of hating Long Island and I I hated growing up there and it's it's really conservative and it's like it's very tough and where I'm from like the South Shore is like very blue collar um I don't know it's like so kind of like elementary school and junior high were like very much survival of the fittest like you know very a lot of like 
you know, daily, like proving yourself fighting this sort of stuff. And I just wanted to get out of there so bad. And I just laughed about it. I'm like, well, I made it about, you know, 15 miles from where I grew up. And I live in the neighborhood my grandma grew up in. And it's like, I guess I am just kind of like inherently a part of this place as much as I always felt like a bit of an outsider. And it's also kind of about like, as someone from Long Island in the city, like you're kind of like never quite considered a real New Yorker. But then to the, you know, everyone else kind of comes from, I mean, like a majority, so many of my friends are just not from here at all. And, you know, and New York is a place to come to reinvent yourself. And for me, it's like, it was, it's more of a place to kind of be who I always was. Like I almost never had that, like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of kept me close to home in, in a way and a close to my origins in a way that maybe isn't, isn't the norm for a lot of people that come to the big apple to kind of chase whatever dream they're after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- speaking of that, I feel like the first two songs in the record sort of speak to that back and forth between those two places, not being sure where you want to be or like Tampa starts off. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the line that I saved. It was, I guess, you know, being like, can I just be present and okay with where I am? But then you get to duplex immediately after, which is more like I'm very isolated where I am. So can you speak about, I guess, the two sort of opposing stories on those two songs? Yeah, you know, it, I think it's interesting, like, the order they ended up in. I think that just, like, it's, it, you know, there's a story to the record, but in the end, it's got to kind of flow in, in a tempo way that works and that feels right. Like, I, I kind of thought of Tampa as, like, it's the oldest song on the record. It's actually a demo from, like, 2011 or 12 or something that I had laying around, and I just stumbled onto it when we were kind of just looking for new stuff to work on for this record. Um, and Florida, I think, is, like, it really... I, I think I talked about this in a previous interview. Like, it's kind of like uh, where you go to die, <laughs> like, when you're from New York, you know? Or, like, it's either where you go to, like, escape and, and, and go on a vacation and, like, be outside yourself, or in the end where, like, you know, you go to not pay the state income tax anymore and kind of check out you know so um i kind of like that it's like it's like a very long island new york thing like tampa and you know sarasota and that whole sort of gulf coast is just a place everybody i think every middle class kid ends up going there and then you know their grammy ends up there or you know you have some connection to that place like ryan and small black's whole family is like uh i think north of tampa it's like it's just kind of what happens so uh, the song is kind of about like a couple that tries to go there to like save their relationship or like it's like this thing they're kind of looking forward to and and it's just like you know it's like you bring your problems wherever you go and and a beach isn't gonna make them go away so I kind of looked at it as like it's like a little death in the relationship versus like I don't know. Uh, Florida's just so crazy to me, and I kind of love it. It's just like, it, it's it's a wild like place to end up in the end. And I, I don't know. I think it's fun. I, I kind of really enjoy it there. It's I think it gets a bad rap. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as duplex, like that vocal kind of we wrote in like one sitting. Like it was a very immediate melody, and most of the words kind of were just I don't know, pretty stream of consciousness. Like I, I refined them, but like the basic gist of it, just like that music Ryan brought to me and it just had that loneliness and like that sort of eeriness that made me feel like I was like alone in my house kind of like feeling like a ghost in my own space um and it was like last year we were kind of like finishing mixing the record right at the beginning of quarantine and I you know it, it, the vocal has been done for months and I just started listening to the lyric and I'm just like whoa this is like really eerily kind of exactly where not only was I at writing this song, but like kind of where everyone in New York is right now, like kind of just trapped in your little box and um, wishing you could kind of float out over the city and kind of get a little bit more perspective on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that definitely reads, and I know you've talked about that in, in other places, but at the same time, I mean, a place like Brooklyn and even in the larger sense, New York City can be very isolating, even oh, in yeah. non pandemic times yeah i just read this book uh called lonely city by olivia lang which was like this she kind of read reflected like on her experience um just like subletting apartments in like the mid-2000s and like just feeling that sense of disconnection from everyone around her and like looking for she explores the work of like for like five or six artists specifically new york artists or most of them and how their work kind of reflected like loneliness in the city like the photographer david wagnarowitz i can never pronounce his name um he did these photos of himself in uh in an arthur embowed mask like in times like the seediest part of times square as like this sort of like separate observer of of that time like but but cloaked in the, in this sort of paper, paper mask. Um, yeah, it, it fascinates me all the time. You know, I think that's, you know, sometimes New York can make you really lonely just because there's always something going on, you know, and FOMO is real. Like, and, and, and it, and it's, I, I don't know. I've always been kind of hungry to experience whatever, the city has to offer and I think sometimes it can be debilitating for me like in that I a lot of times can't say no so um I did kind of through quarantine find a lot more peace in loneliness and in um in just really not caring because there's not there's nothing to miss so I, I think it was a good lesson for me that you know I can really enjoy myself without much external stimulus at all you know I just got obsessed with crafts and and you know all the other crap that that people did and doing puzzles and I don't know I I I, it was a weird time but and it was strange but I in the end I look on it kind of fondly and I did think I really didn't did like I don't know find some new realizations Mm. about myself Absolutely. No, I'd say the same for myself. Um, the important question, though, is did you make sourdough? Uh, <laughs> my roommate at the time, uh, she's Australian, and she kept 
trying to get Hastata going, and she failed miserably. So oh, no. no, we didn't we didn't make it happen. But uh, we made some other bread, but the sourdough starter just never took. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, it, it, it was a failure. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm quite the investigative journalist when it comes to these things. No, I so. think that's a, that's like the question everyone's going to be on everyone's mind at the end of quarantine. Like, exactly. who is who is the the master of sourdough in this country? Because mm-hmm. there's got to be a lot of new contenders. Yeah. Well, it's not your former roommate, and it's definitely not me either. Yeah. It's anyway. Not me. Yeah. Um, we should move on to the next song. So just to preface, I do this with a lot of the interviews, but I sort of move through things in order, um, especially if I feel like it makes sense to. So I'm doing that here. So now we get to Postcard, which um, definitely Long Island. That one's not Brooklyn. Um, oh, yeah. It's pretty yeah. clear. That takes place in your family home. Um, and you were talking a bit before about what it means to grow up in Long Island. And I feel like this song really touches on that. Yeah, my mom grew up in Levittown, which is the first suburb in America. It's like a town that was built completely for GIs returning from World War II. Her, her dad had fought in, in like in Germany. And, you know, she was raised in like this sort of what became a, a very standard way of living for, you know, the majority of the country. Um, and I was really obsessed with this book called Holy Land by this guy, DJ Waldy, who um, he grew up in uh, in one of the suburbs of Long Beach, California, and in, in a place that's very similar to Levittown, like this sort of prefab town. And it's like this collection of like uh, 150, like one or two page like vignettes about living there and he he continued to live there his whole life and um i I, you know i think the suburbs get a really bad rap and and, you know everyone kind of craps on them and and for good reason you know there's a ton of issues of class and race and discrimination and stuff that are there and and just you know and just homogeneity and just this sort of very you know i don't know it it's it it really has a negative impact i think connotation especially with young people and myself included and i just wanted to kind of reflect and like i don't know i loved my friends there you know like as much as like i hated it and like i i like kind of looked down on it and i was like i'll never go back there i don't care what what you say and you know, some of my friends have ended up back there and I feel like I had this, I had a bad attitude towards them. And like, I was like, you guys are suckers. Like I'm in the city. I'm so cool. I'm doing exactly what I want. And, you know, you get a little bit older and you're like, you know what, this is fine. You know, this is a way to get by a way to live. And that song is just like from the perspective of like, uh, it's like supposed to be my house or like, I don't know any house like in, nasa county long island and it's just about like it's supposed to be about someone who's like significant other has left them and they're kind of in their house kind of looking around and being like i kind of like this place you know it's uh it it is mine and i'm a i am a piece of it and i'm okay with that and you know that that this is where we live nothing we can do about it it's like i'm resigned to it but you know it's okay you know it's it's place to be it's it's what i know Hmm. okay 
This definitely has some opposite messages than what I initially thought when I was reading it, especially that line, you say my life's a narrow one. I think I read it initially as very much like there's only one way that you can live. Um, so I guess what does that one actually mean in context? That lyric? Yeah. Um, it's like the, the narrator of the song's kind of talking about this person who's left them and kind of like them being critical of their life and uh i don't know it's like it's a it's a resignation but it's not necessarily like a sad a sad one it's it's just it's just like this is my life and i've got to find peace in that it's not like the greatest life it's not you know it doesn't have the instagram filters on it you know it's just like it it it's it's a fine life it's one it's one to live and it's i'm okay with it i don't know yeah well i guess coming in from there it's it's a bit of an interesting pivot but i guess of speaking of someone with a very different way to live from from there which is your uncle he kind of yeah. takes up the next two songs which are yeah. driftwood fire and the bridge um so what am I trying to say here? One thing that I noticed you talking about, like when I was doing the press releases and stuff in regards to your uncle was seeing him as, I guess, a figure for proving that you can live your life in a different way, that you don't have to follow the typical rules and that that clearly inspired you in a sense. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely like my idol growing up. You know, I used to go over to his house and just, you know, he'd be getting out of his wetsuit or like shaping a board in the backyard and he's just very handsome like tall like just just a very studly kind of i don't know and and just wildly charming guy um and especially what i'm saying about like uh just the the how homogenous the suburbs can be um he just is stuck out like a sore thumb and he was really beloved because of it. Like you, you would think that he would, I and who knows, maybe when he was younger, it was a different story, but you know, I'd go to the beach with him and like, he's legitimately the mayor. Like we, when we made the video for that, uh, the song, despicable dogs, which was the first song we put out a million years ago, like going to the beach with him with the filmmakers, like he taught every person on the boardwalk came and said hello to him. We had like, 20 people trying to be extras within like and this is in february or something or like no maybe like november in the beach so it's like there's nobody there like we we even we went to the water and there's a guy surfing and my uncle waved him in because it's a guy he knew and he comes in he's just surfing on a board that my uncle had made for him so um he just was a, a kind of a legend in that community and, and um and it's a strange one because you know it's so expensive to live on long island it it's it's everybody works in the city you know they all get their check from the city and bring it out there and then don't go go back and it it can be pretty i don't know it's it's a lot of tough guy stuff you know i i don't i don't i don't know if other places are like that like when i feel like when i talk about my childhood experience to people i'm like man this they're like, this is insane. Like just a level of like, I don't know, just like general violence. Like, I don't mean like horrible, but like, just like the like Lord of the Flies stuff, like constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like you hear that a lot about Staten though. Staten Island, it's, it's pretty similar. Like yeah. to Long Island. Yeah. it's a little different, but it's where I'm from. And like South Shore of Nassau is definitely has a lot in common with Staten Island for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and I don't know. It was a weird, like, I went, um, like, I lived at his house after college for a year or two, like, with him, uh, and I was kind of there. I wasn't there that, I, I was kind of, like, lived, I had a girl from the city, and I was there a lot, but I did, like, my room was there, so I spent a lot of time with him just, like, hanging out and kind of getting life lessons and watching Waterworld and, you know, drinking Coors Lights and, you know, doing, doing, doing like dude, dude time. And I don't know. He just, he really rubbed off on me because he just, he kind of skate. He just, I don't know. He was always pretty broke, but he, no one ever managed his time. You know, he, he was married for like six months once, I think. <laughs> like, like he was not cut out for for somebody like having some someone telling him what to do, like with a job or with a relationship. Like he kind of just needed to be free, and I think it's a it's a it's a strange place for that to be the case, and 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 it's not a place that people usually can pull it off. Like my sister and I would always be like, Matt, like why don't you go to California, like. <laughs> You, you like you are you fit in there you know you're like you're everybody looks like well not everybody but you know you well a lot of people look like you but you know and 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 looking back it's like what he liked about being on long island is that he was kind of a freak you know he he was the oddball he was uh, the special one and i don't know i just i i just really admired him and and i admired his ability to kind of I don't know, just relate to anybody. Like, his funeral was just, like, pretty wild. Like, the cast of characters that showed up. Like, just, like, random people he met on the beach. Like, some 75-year-old lady he just, like, took, you know, took, like, cookies to, like, every other week. Like, he, he just had a crazy, like, all, all alternate life that we didn't know about. And, like, even in my family, there was, like, you know, I think people wish that he would do something a little more uh, standard, or or just yeah. like they, they wish he just had some money, to be honest. But <laughs> but um, I think seeing that in in the end, it was really lovely and, and like a testament to to what's really important in life. You know, and I don't know, it kind of blew me away. Like a guy was just handing out dvds that he had burned himself of the video that we had made of my uncle the despicable dogs video to everyone there and i don't know it was it was sad but when i think about it it was really lovely and i really savored like kind of getting to meet all these characters and 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 people i would have never have known about so yeah well continuing to touch on him and specifically in the music so I know that the bridge is very much sung from his perspective, but what about yeah. Driftwood Fire? Where is that like him talking to you? You talking to him? It's like, like kind of like a conversation voice? back back and forth. Like the voice kind of changes. Um, it, it's it's meant to be like uh, I think the verse is like him kind of talking smack to a younger surfer or like a, a younger guy who wants to shape boards um and then the chorus is just kind of like 
the narrator kind of like reflecting on the lesson learned and like that you know those the driftwood fire is supposed to be a metaphor for like uh i don't know you kind of keep that flame alive in yourself that you that you've learned from your elders or from a mentor and i don't know it's interesting i posted a photo of him in relation to the song with um he learned to shape boards in in uh in hawaii from this very legendary guy ben ipa who is uh ipa surf is like a really big board company there's it's like still really well known um and i posted a picture of them like slapping five from like the early 80s and i you know i ben ipa i guess had passed like a couple of like i don't know like maybe three or four months ago um and i just started thinking about that relationship as like almost very similar to the relationship in this song and like kind of like thinking about that him have been having been the mentor to my uncle and kind of him having kind of lit the fire for my uncle to become like a really successful board shaper and you know have that really credible surf life and existence so i don't know it's it's cool it's like i I feel like i found like a new meaning of the song internally just like through that photo that's really awesome and then what about the bridge? Because that one, I get the sense it's, he's, I think, I mean, there's that line of him saying, like, that he's waiting to be able to get back out there again, and he's watching things happen. So what what's the story there? Yeah, unfor- like, my uncle had had a stroke, like, a couple years before he passed, and he, he couldn't surf anymore. And it was really hard to watch, like, because he just, you know, he's still a great as far as anyone who is, you know, 58 years old or 60 years old. But to him, he was just like, just, he was trying to, him and my dad is the same way. They're like psycho trainers. Like they, they just have worked out since like the early seventies every day, like maniacs. So to like, like my dad is trying to break right now the like the world senior javelin record. Like they're just maniacs. (laughs) (laughs) wow so it's very much runs in my family um they i totally lost my train of thought here oh so yeah you know there's definitely a sadness to it but he kind of just became he got he always was a big fisherman and he kind of just you know he just had to be at the beach like kind of with his people and so he just you know he he just got really into surf casting and part of that song is uh i remember he showed up at my house when i was a kid with this like 45 pound striped bass that he had caught and he had literally caught it off a bridge um and he just reeled it in himself like on a on a you know a regular like surf cast rod and i actually have a recording of him telling the story that i wanted i'm gonna put it on something um, but yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It, it's a pretty heavy song to be honest. Like the metaphor, the bridge is like, you know, it's kind of referencing, you know, I love the poem, the bridge by Hart Crane, which is like a re- reflection on the city. And I don't know. It's just like a title. It, it's, you know, the simplest title you could ask for, for a song really. But um, it's a, it's just a powerful metaphor, and I've always kind of seen our band as like, um, I don't know. I was obsessed with that bridge in Rockaway that we filmed the video at. Like, I always have thought that that 
that atmosphere where you can kind of see the city from the beach and it's so widescreen and so vast and you know just feeling that you're right there and also feeling that disconnect from it so I, I always knew that I wanted the imagery in the video for that song to be there that that was yeah from the second we wrote the song that that was the idea but um yeah I don't know it just uh, it was really fun to try to get into his head a little bit and, and sing some of the words that he would say like on the song I say getting tuned up and that's like getting drunk uh calling people bums you know this is like very long island long island stuff you know gut gutting it out it's like about just running in the sand and I don't know it just like I I it, it's it's a tough song but it's also it was it's I love kind of his language and so much of our first recording sessions were spent like getting tuned up with Uncle Matt and like you know uh I, I it's it makes me I don't know it makes me smile to think about just getting getting some of the fun things he would say out in the song because it's hard hard to do it sometimes yeah I can imagine I mean someone obviously that you love but it's nice that you get to create this I guess tapestry of who they were in a piece of music yeah I, I you know I feel very thankful for the lessons that I learned and I miss them like all the time and sometimes it'll really hit me but you just you know unfortunately that's that's life and you got to try to take the best from it you, you can get so I I I know he would be very angry at me if I just kind of laid around, you know, getting sad about it. So I think this is the best way to channel his spirit and, and the things I learned from him. Yeah. And it does sound like he had a pretty full and fascinating life. So he clearly took advantage of his time here. Yeah. He was really a blast. I, I think <laughs> I don't I don't know anyone who didn't like, like, uh, like hanging out with him. So, yeah. Well, I guess as we continue into the next two songs in the record, they're a little bit different, but they lead to, like, a really great moment. I mean, service merchandise, definitely, I read as, like, you or someone like you being an outcast as a teenager, and then you get to Cheap Dreams, and it's sort of... Sort of what your uncle embodied, this idea of not holding on to other people's ideas of what life is supposed to be and just doing exactly what feels right to you. Yeah, I I mean... Your read on both of those is really good. You know, that's you know exactly kind of what I intended. Like, service merchandise is just about like w- working at the mall, uh, like working a summer job, and you know maybe I-, I think I stayed on and all my friends quit and just like, you know, being bad, like you know, smoking pot or like having having a drink on the job, and uh, I don't know, and just like thinking of like how faint that memory is now, and I just think the parking lot is like such a location for the for not only Long Island, just for the suburbs. It's like when you're that age, it's where things happen, and I kind of pictured myself like it's definitely sung from that like high school perspective, but I also like kind of in the second iteration of talking about the parking lot, I kind of picture myself like now like walking through one of those parking lots and running into this person I worked with that I felt really close to at that time and like kind of maybe just walking right past them and not recognizing them and and I worked at the I worked at the the mall record store Sam Goody 
um i guess that's probably like the real like location i just uh, that's like kind of yeah that's probably really it and i just think about what happened to all those kids because like when you work at a record store like especially back then it's like still pretty early internet for me like everybody there wanted to do music also you know that's like why you want to work at the record store you don't you want to be involved in it in some way so i just kind of wonder i you know i really don't know what happened to any of them like i wonder if if that kid jay win became like he wanted to be a rapper like i i don't, I, I never saw his stuff oh but actually one of the kids became a really famous dj mm. dj ruckus he was like uh kurt he was like um I think i know, battle, that, I know that a battle dj like doing like the turntable stuff yeah yeah i forgot totally forgot about that yeah so i don't know just kind of like thinking about like i don't know that time and like those crazy dreams people had to like try to do music and you're just at this like crappy mall job and eat drinking orange julius and eating you know like the bourbon chicken or whatever oh <laughs> god, god. Yeah. yeah well i guess it's kind of perfect that it leads into cheap dreams then because yeah. there is this sort of embracing of of what what your actual dreams are not the the so-called cheap ones that people might put on you yeah i guess cheap dreams is a title it's more like uh, it's kind of just reflecting on the band and like what you know it's like this isn't the most for most bands we're like we're a very middle class band it's like we are lucky enough to get by mostly on music i think it's pretty rare but like it's not like i'm not gonna be rich from this band you know it's like it's it's what i do because i really really love it and uh, and i feel lucky enough to get to do it with the same three dudes forever so um but you know in the end i sacrificed a lot to do it you know like i have kind of shirked a lot of relationship stuff and i've definitely shirked like anything careerist in my life and and i've just kind of chased this idea of making a song or an album that you know i really care about and that feels important to me so um yeah cheap dreams is definitely about like what you're willing to kind of give up to to achieve what you want or or to make the art you want yeah no it's definitely self-aware in that sense it's not like all kind of gung-ho like everything's gonna be great and it's perfect it's kind of you know i'm holding on to my pride and it is what it is and this is what's gonna come with that so let's do it you know yeah no that's totally totally it yeah well, we're getting to the last couple now. Um, again, this is this is my read on this, and I know that I've I've been a mix, but that's kind of the beauty of doing these things is to actually learn what these songs are about. But thank uh, you. No, I mean yeah. I really appreciate it. Like yeah. I, I've I really I think your reads have been really cool, and and I, it's it's fun to get to. I don't know the the best interviews are the ones where I learn a little bit more about the record. Like just thinking about that guy DJ Ruckus kind of made me made me really happy. Like <laughs> that thinking of him may have snuck into that song somehow, and I didn't know. So, well, I'm glad I could help bring that back. But yeah, uh, yeah nobody loves you. I guess the re- the way I read it was, it's not so much face value. Nobody loves you. It's like as it says, it's nobody loves you the way that you want them to. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that title was really funny. It's like, I, I looked on the YouTube when it came out and all the comments were like, I feel attacked by this title. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, this, 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 this worked. Um, but yeah, so nobody loves you. Again, this idea of nobody loves you the way that you want them to. I very much read it as often the people in our lives that love us, um, as much as they mean well, their love can sometimes come with certain expectations of who you're going to be. And so I very much read it in that. And also there's definitely a bit of a mournful side of this song. So it's, it was kind of an interesting mix of things happening. Yeah, it was a really tough, it was probably the toughest song to get for the record because it was just kind of born off that hook, which is like, I don't know, kind of funny, like calling a song Nobody Loves You. It's like immediately like I Juan, I know in the band just loved the idea. And he's like, I just want to have that song title uh, on our record because it's just funny. And it's kind of, it's a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's gallows humor for sure. And it's like, but it has that like feel of a hit chorus, you know, and, and, and it's hard to find one that has like an interesting sentiment to it and when i came up with the second half the that nobody loves you the way that you want them to it it was just i don't know that sentiment to me is like complex and uh it is real you know it's it's about like yeah it it, i'm trying to think of the exact lyric right now the the narrate it's like about the narrator kind of reflecting on a, on a relationship that didn't work and reflecting on like what they put in versus what was expected and what they expected versus what they got. So, um, I don't know. It's a pretty simple song in that way. I I think there's some, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it just seemed like a cool way to put that, that perspective out there and, 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 I don't know. It was a lyric I could get behind. Yeah. Well, it's a great one. Um, and it's interesting, even though, you know, this this album definitely deals, like we said, with different time periods and different places. There's definitely, as I said at the top of this, sort of themes that come back. It's about the way that we choose to live our lives and the way that other people look at the way we live our lives and, yeah. you know, the pressures that can come with that. In my 30s, you know, you just like... A lot of my friends are married. A lot of my friends have babies, you know, like they're doing really adult things. And I'm just kind of like a dude, you know, playing my synthesizer. So, you know, I feel like I used to feel like threatened by that and like being like, I'm a loser. I, you know, I, (laughs) I don't know. I have no security. You know, I kind of get by like through a lot of by hook and by crook and with luck and I think I felt bad about that for a while and I would beat myself up about it. And I think a lot of making this record was just being like, no, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to make records. Like it's pretty fun to be in a band. Like I, maybe it's not the smartest long-term plan, but it is kind of what I always wanted to do since I was a little kid. So, and I think through the lens of my uncle as someone who kind of followed their heart and stuck with it, like I just tried to find like, I don't know, some justification to myself for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess with that, because this is, it's such a great, like, overarching sentiment for all of this, but we still have one final song on this record, which is Song to Ruin. And that's the one that tripped me up. Um, so I guess my question is, 
who are you talking to on that song? And then in this larger conversation that we're having, what's its what's its part? It's like it kind of I kind of read it two ways. Like, and I think in writing it, I kind of went two ways with it. Like, a lot of times it's kind of written to my bandmates to be like, this is a like I've been playing music with Ryan for seventeen years. So it's like it's a long term relationship at this point. And I've been playing music with Juan and Jeff for I don't know thirteen years. So it's you know, we've been doing this forever and it's it's you know, it's it's you're strong to ruin uh I can help you do it is like very you know, it's like the kind of shit that we say to ourselves, like it's 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 you know, this I don't know, like we just talk smack to each other when we work on stuff because we've talked for so long about everything um that i don't know what else is there to do except to be mean to each other but um. it's how you tell people you love them (laughs) yeah exactly so it's kind of you know there's it's your song to ruin is like you know i I wouldn't say jokey it's more like you know it's it, it i it's talking about kind of feeling a lot of I don't know, gratitude towards getting to do this with people. But at the same time, I mean, I think the song, I feel that in the chorus, but I think the lyrics are really about, um, I don't know, a relationship that you're just trying to, to that, that, that's that been through a lot of ups and downs and that you're trying to get right and that you're trying to find someone to kind of help you. Uh, I don't know, just do life or, or like 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 it's not pretty you know it, it it's it, it's not it's not roses and valentine's day it, it's really hard and you know you're gonna screw up a lot of things and if you find somebody or a group of people if a, in a band who can kind of pr- provide support to you and love and uh meaningful i don't know companionship it, it's really lucky and and, and I don't know. It, it's it's it, it's a sweet it's a sweet song. I think. Cheap dreams is available now, wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.